0: Well, hey, cousins, you were listening to Revolutionary Hood Rap with Kim Young, adult Black social worker, and welcome back. Happy New Year without the S. Happy Capricorn season. Happy belated Black Santa Day. Happy, damn it, we back at work. You know what I'm saying? I almost forgot how to make all of this shit even operate in terms of I have not sat down and plugged in this microphone, recorded anything in a month of Sundays, literally. Um, and here I am. And I'll be honest, I had no, I did not anticipate <laughs> recording an episode, but then shit started happening. And I said, well, let me go ahead and plug this microphone in and let some shit rip because duh, that is the whole reason behind creating Revolutionary Hood Rats. Here we are. So like I said, it's Capricorn season. Full turn up. It's up on us. It's my birthday this week. Ha! Ha ha! I did even got no words. Even though there's a little bit of some bullshit ass weather coming through that is trying to interrupt the plans, I just know the ancestors not going to let that happen. So I ain't even worried about that. But baby, when I when I get ready to share the footage and the, the the good times from my birthday, just know when I make it, we all make it. So, before I jump into just the Earth is ghetto for the week, of course, we have to stop with some begin Uh, with some revolutionary news. And obviously, obviously revolutionary news this week goes out to the cousins, the comrades, the homies in Illinois. I know I mentioned it a couple, a few episodes ago, how, you know, folks had organized in Illinois to push a piece of legislation that would create an alternative pathway to social or clinical licensure. And it got through. Not only did it get through, it's officially in effect. The new law went into effect as of January 1. And so now there is an alternative pathway for those that are seeking clinical licensure in the state of Illinois to take that does not require passing the ASWB exam. So shout out to the cousins, the comrades, the homies, shout out to Cassie Walker, everyone that was involved in making those efforts happen, because it has been a tremendous inspiration for me. To believe, because I have seen, right, that it is possible for us here where I reside and where I li- where I am licensed and where I practice in Virginia to make an alternative pathway a reality for us as well. And so, y'all, y'all are amazing. Y'all are amazing. And I really hope that folks that are doing this work and might be thinking about, well, can we make this happen where I live? The answer is yes. Like, don't let nobody trick you into believing that shit is not possible, that change is not possible, that when we come together with collective effort and action and put our skills together, our strengths together, our willingness together to just co-create and dream, we can make shit, shit shake. So shout out to Cassie Walker and all the cousins, comrades, and homies that were a part of making shit shake in Illinois. Yes, yes. So, for the Earth is ghetto, I'll get to the primary reason I plug this microphone in. However, I do just want to take a you know, a detour and just kind of mention how, you know, this week has already been tough, and I only had about two days of work work thus far. The tough part about this week is like coming back from post-winter break is like, it's legit, just depressive symptoms. <laughs> when you take a break from like not working, working and see what life could be like, you'd be like, God yeah, damn, like, why do I have to go back? To it's not even a grind, but just using your brain in other ways that you maybe you just don't want to use anymore. Cause when I tell you, tell y'all I got so used to like sitting up in my house watching Tubi movies. Oh, so much pure joy, happiness. Peace. Me and Tubi and the sofa. And of course, Via Ray Prosecco. We had such a great break. I watched a movie called Killer Zaddies, Z A D D Y, on Tubi. Oh, I watched so many beautiful things. So many beautiful things. But now I'm back to looking at my computer screen during the day and responding to emails and creating change. One message one draft at a time. <laughs> I truly hope that each of y'all are giving yourself grace to ease back into just finding you know, that balance of work and life and play and creativity and that you just give yourself some space to figure it all out and don't think you gotta j- dive headfirst into everything. Like there's some ease and some grace even amongst the chaos and the discomfort of beginning things again or beginning new things um and the next thing i want to mention is gypsy rose blanchard is free if y'all have not heard if you did not get the news the homie is free and it should be well documented at this point that you know i had me a real deep obsession with gypsy rose blanchard and dd Dee Dee blanchard uh, like during the summertime when I have watched the documentary on HBO, I watched the drama version of their story on Hulu, and I listened to podcasts because that shit was like some white mess of the the up degree. Like it was some, it was phenomenal, phenomenal. But anyways, you know, the homie got locked up. Nobody's asking me, but I don't think Gypsy should have ever went to prison for her involvement in that situation. But anyways, Gypsy got out. I think right after Christmas and baby girl is like in her thirties or might be 30, married. you know, she got, you know, married when she was locked down, bad, locked up, came out with a little boo when she did get released though. She was in Missouri and I guess she thought she'd like to go up to Taylor Swift's boyfriend job at the little sports ball game and try to meet Taylor Swift. And the Missouri state officials was like, Oh baby girl, you gotta, go. you gotta get up out of here. And y'all, they put Gypsy out the state. I didn't even know that they can put people out the state, but they put Gypsy out the state and told her that she had to get on to Louisiana. So I hope baby girl get a chance to meet Taylor Swift or something, at least slide in her DMs. Like if y'all aren't following Gypsy on Instagram, do it. Do it. Gypsy Rose Blanchard, do it. Follow, follow Gypsy on uh, Instagram. Get ready for her prison confession. Mini series that comes out on Lifetime January 5th. And we'll come back together and we'll have a phenomenal conversation to break down all of the white mess and chaos that we will be exposed to when the Prison Confessions documentary drops. And so now I want to transition into the real reason I plugged in this microphone today. Um, and that is to talk about imposter syndrome. So I shared a video on my Instagram, um, which which, uh, provides an alternative to a narrative around imposter syndrome that just continues to be kind of taken as fact that I have always had a problem with. And let me kind of back up a little bit, just in case there are folks who are unfamiliar with Imposter syndrome is just kind of how it is generally defined, because that will be helpful um, for folks to have that definition. And so imposter syndrome is understood or believe is is understood as what people who struggle with imposter syndrome believe they are undeserving of their achievements and the high esteem in which they are, in fact, generally held So it's just kind of feeling uncomfortable with your own accomplishments, your own pedigree, for lack of better words, your own skill sets, your own abilities, just not feeling like you belong in certain places and settings and around people or certain jobs, opportunities, whatever may have you. Um, And what I think is important for people to know when we're talking about imposter syndrome is to understand the history of where it comes from. I don't know how many of y'all have actually read the initial study that was published back in 1978 about imposter syndrome or even understand and know about the two researchers who coined the phrase imposter syndrome. Hear me when I say imposter syndrome was created in the 1970s by two white female identified psychologists. I'm going to repeat myself. Imposter syndrome was created in the 1970s by two white female identified psychologists. And they, you know, they did a research study on a group of what is kind of identified inside of the study as 150 highly successful women, students, students who kind of have excelled in academic excellence, professional excellence, whatever it may have you, just high achieving women. Not just any women though, right? So they're very clear in saying inside of the research article, and if you have not read it, go find it. It is free and accessible. The two psychologists in question are named Pauline Rose Clance and Suzanne Imes. You can find this article, it's a real quick and easy read to give you some context to understand what imposter syndrome is rooted in. So then when I get to my argument on dispelling the just the myths and the bullshit behind imposter, imposter syndrome, hopefully it just gives you better clarity to hopefully receive where I'm coming from. So in their initial study, y'all, these two white female identified psychologists had 150 women 95 undergraduate women 10 phd faculty um 15 undergrad 20 graduate students 10 faculty members who all came from like either smaller private mid mid western college towns or southern universities and they range from 20 different 22 different professional Backgrounds to include social work, teaching, nursing, counseling, education, name the thing. Those in the study were primarily white, middle to upper class, and between the ages of 20 and 45. So I'm going to repeat myself. Imposter syndrome was coined in 1975 after two white female-identified psychologists decided to perform a study. On 150 high-achieving women, of those 150 high-achieving women, they were primarily white, middle to upper class, and between the ages of 20 and 45. So, (laughs) this is the main reason why I have a difficult time. Ever believing or accepting something like imposter syndrome because people who look like me were never included in understanding whatever this phenomenon is. I don't believe it to be a phenomenon. I believe it to be a fraud, right? They link imposter syndrome to having these clinical symptoms of like generalized anxiety, lack of confidence, depression, frustration, all this other, you know, all these things. I deeply believe that imposter syndrome is not a result of like these clinical symptoms of anxiety and depression and much more a result of white supremacy, of patriarchy and of systemic oppression. I'm not the first person to say these things. Not the first person, right? I can stand on the shoulders of those who I have had these conversations with, who I have learned from through reading and watching to better understand that when we're talking about imposter syndrome, that's something that we just have to stop telling women is that they're dealing with imposter syndrome. There's a wonderful article that's inside of the Harvard Business Review by Ruchika, I think it's Tulishan. Trula Shan, baby, I'm so sorry. I can't, I'm having a hard time pronouncing your big, beautiful name. And Jody Ann Berry, And it's titled like, Stop Telling Women They Have Imposter Syndrome because for many women, feeling like an outsider isn't an illusion. It's a result of systemic bias and, and, and exclusion. Because it just is. It just is. And so when I hear people liken imposter syndrome to dealing with anxiety or depression, And making imposter syndrome about an individual needing to change or needing to make adjustments in their lives and not looking at the broader system and the environment that is impacting that individual, I have the hardest time trying to make it make sense in my head because it just does not make sense to me. It does not make sense to me. And there's no way in hell, no way in hell that I'm going to take the research from two white identified psychologists from the 1970s who studied primarily white identified women who were well off and apply what they found in that article to me, my life, my situation, and my condition. That don't make no goddamn sense. That don't make no goddamn sense. And on top of that, The older I become, the more access I gain to different circles and power players and just understanding how this world is operating and all the the crookedness and shit, you really start to see just how mediocre, I'm going to say it again, those that are in positions of leadership and power and influence truly are. And on top of that, how often do we even hear men, like do we ever hear men talking about this imposter bullshit, especially white men? They feel comfortable everywhere. It don't matter where they are, what they're doing, what you know, who they with, what they have the skill and ability to do, not do. Them jokers feel confident. Every guy way. and so it really even makes you question. Well, who who are the real imposters in some of these situations and scenarios, and how did we adopt imposter syndrome as a way of quieting? What I think many of us live a life that is just guided, unfortunately, guided, conditioned, limited by systemic oppression to ever believe, to ever believe something like this could be true for us. Imposter syndrome is not a result of like these clinical symptoms. I believe imposter syndrome is a result of these systemic issues of white supremacy, of patriarchy, of systemic oppression. And of course, those things can lead to some clinical symptoms of anxiety and depression, traumatic experiences. But to make imposter syndrome about an individual, yo, that's like the cheap way out for the oppressor. Whenever they can make that shit seem, make it seem like we're the problem, when we're not, that's how they continue to get us stuck. Imposter syndrome shifts, it's victim blaming. It shifts the responsibility away from the oppressor onto the oppressed to say that you were not good enough. You're not skillful skillful enough. You don't deserve, you're not resourceful. You're not all of these things. When imposter syndrome has everything to do with the conditions of how environments are set up for people to, some people make it and some people don't. Some have opportunity and some people don't. Some get heard and some don't. Some get seen, some don't. And so when people, especially black and brown folk, black and brown female identified individuals, like when they when they just start saying, Oh yeah, I'm de- I'm dealing with imposter syndrome, I'm struggling with imposter syndrome, I just want to be like, baby, them folk won't talk about you when they made that, when they did that research. They weren't even considering that you could ever be high achieving to even be included in their study. Imposter syndrome ain't got nothing to do with you, honey. Nothing to do with us. We weren't in the study. We weren't considered. We weren't even seen. So like to take it on, it's some bullshit. To try to add it as a layer to our identities or things that we're struggling with or working through, bullshit. Re- like I reject it in every single way. It does not fit on me. It does not make sense to me. Does not belong to me. It is not my responsibility. Imposter syndrome is just that a syndrome. It's a syndrome. There's no fact, there's no concrete fact that imposter syndrome exists, it's a concept. It is an absolute concept it's one that i believe folks need to look at critically understand the foundations of imposter syndrome where it comes from read the article learn more about the two women who did the research and coined the phrase think about how many men folk talk about their struggles with imposter syndrome And how it truly is victim-shaming to make us believe that something is wrong with us when it's not even us. We're not the problem. Literally have been excluded for generations. Forgotten, pushed aside, not thought about. That goes for white women, too. They may try their best. May try their best to separate and, you know, live in this Lulu world of reality where systemic oppression and patriarchy don't beat them over the head every day but it beat them over the head too imposter syndrome is a tool I gotta sound like a little baby radical real quick but like imposter syndrome is a tool of the oppressor to trick you out your position and spot and the day you realize that they playing in your face by giving you some language that does not even apply to you That doesn't even make sense for your reality, for your circumstances. It's the day I'm hoping you'll release it and let it go because it does not belong to you. Give it back to them. Give imposter syndrome back to them. That shit is not ours. It don't belong to us at all. Never did, never has. And baby, I promise you, once you pay attention to just how mediocre folks in high levels of influence and leadership and politics and organizational just running or, running the world the high level of mediocrity that is running the world and guess who has never felt like a damn imposter then people who decide what we do and do not do where we go and cannot go they don't feel like no imposter. so why should you why should we why should i give that shit back to them, release it, hand it, you know, pack it up, hand that shit right back to the oppressor. It don't belong to you. It don't fit on you. It don't make no sense in your life. Imposter syndrome is not a result of these clinical symptoms of depression, anxiety, name the thing. I deeply believe, and I am not alone in this belief. I deeply believe that imposter syndrome is a result of white supremacy, white supremacy, patriarchy, and systemic oppression, those things definitely contribute and lead to feelings, uh, lead to clinical symptoms of anxiety and depression and traumatic experiences. But give that shit back to them. Imposter syndrome syndrome does not belong to you. You were not the problem. Never have been. So, now I'm going to transition <laughs> into a really quick, it should be quick, because I don't really want to be on here all that long, because I only plug this microphone in to say that. Hopefully, I said something that made sense. Hell, I don't know. Um, But just a really quick story, or a really quick tale from the trap. And it has a lot to do with one of the first times that I had the aha or like this awakening of just how mediocre, <laughs> powerful people are. <laughs> um. I was at a previous job and we had an issue with bugs in the building. Cause you know, of course, uh, we had an issue with bugs in the building. And I remember, you know, putting the call in to be like, Hey, I got, I don't, an unidentified bug. Cause baby, I don't even know what type of creature that was. And it was like a little cluster of creatures behind the door. I was like, Hey, there's these things behind my door. Um, Can we get the bug people to come out and and handle this? And the individual that was responsible for handling requests like that serves multiple roles, you know, not just in the organization, but across just in different areas um, in the community and, you know, influential, powerful. And I remember they showed up at my office to address the issue with the bugs with a bottle of Windex wearing Birkenstocks and some shorts and asked, well, where are the bugs at? And I said, they behind the door thinking like, okay, you need to go ahead and inform Orkin. Like, hey, when you pull up to come handle these bugs in Kim's office, they behind the doors. You know, that's what I'm thinking. He, Oh, he wants to get the information and put the call in. I was like, oh, they behind the door. Y'all. He proceeds to enter. Like pull the door towards the like close it, spray Windex in the corner where the bugs was at and walked out. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, okay. Okay, all righty. Got it. Got it. Got it. So I'm gonna tell you something. The moment I had that experience and then experience after experience after experience after experience with powerful, influential decision makers, folks who lead organizations, big teams and corporations and shit like that, foundations, I was like, oh, these people, they not that, not that brilliant. Not as smart, not as sharp, not as intelligent as one would make One would believe, because that is the part of the propaganda of those who hold high, powerful offices, is you think that they are brilliant people, not that brilliant, incredibly mediocre, primarily male. I'm not coming for no man. No, don't come for me. I'm not coming from, I'm just, you know, naming my observations, primarily male, very mediocre. That was the day that I let all that imposter syndrome bullshit go and started to do my own unlearning (laughs) to better understand the roots and foundations of imposter syndrome and then come to the realization that that shit never fit inside my body to begin with and let that shit clean go so with that being said we're going to move into a good black word for the week and then round this thing out um The good black word for the week has much to do with ease, which is my continued commitment to myself and those that I care for is ease. I am really committed to moving with ease and doing less. And a lot of my commitment to move with ease and do less has everything to do with this recognition of like, I've I've been a high achieving little black girl since I was in school. Um, high-achieving little Black girl. Like, the little Black girl that was in all the little gifted programs got pulled out of class for, like, testing and special shit and was in the scholar program in middle school, did AP and IB track in high school, began undergrad. What shit? I went to um, community college while I was in high school because I didn't have any more classes to take. While I was still at school, I used to get out of school at 10 o'clock in the morning my senior year, and then I would go over to the community college and take courses. And then from there, like going into undergrad um, with college credits already under my belt because I had passed in my AP and IB exams. Plus, I had um, taken the college courses that followed me over into undergrad, did undergrad, and not even just like the academic excelling. Like I also did all the other social shit, running a leader on campus all throughout middle school, high school, and undergrad, being in social clubs. um, all All the bullshit, y'all. Like I just been, <laughs> they had me like drowning in black excellence for a very fucking long time. Until I, that was another thing that I had to release and let go of is this myth and bullshit around black excellence. Because once again, that shit don't belong to me. That's another tool of the oppressor is to put this concept of black excellence into our community about what it means to be black and what it means to be excellent. And much of it has to do with the conditionings of like whiteness. The closer you are to whiteness is the more excellent that you can possibly be deemed but that's a whole different conversation. So I had a recognition that I have been a high achieving black person for a very long time. And I'm tired, I'm tired. And not only am I tired, I actually don't have to work that hard to achieve. Cause for me, like, when I say like, I'm going to go with ease and do the bare minimum, my bare minimum is still better than somebody's best. Like when I don't try, I'm still doing better than some of the most mediocre people that are running this country. And so when I think about it, yeah, cool. Like I could turn it up. And if I do a little bit more than the bare minimum, you know, shine on a couple holes or whatever, but why? I have nothing to prove. I know that I'm brilliant. I know that I'm wise and intelligent. I'm all of these things. But I also want to be easy and soft and a bit more carefree and relaxed. I don't want to be excellent. I don't want to be myself. And so my good Black word for the week is this commitment to, you know, I want to live the life that feels like I belong in it and to it. I don't want to live a life that does not feel like it belongs to me and I don't belong in it. And staying staying kind of wrapped up in this idea of Black excellence is a life that does not feel like I belong in it or that it belongs to me. And so for me to be committed to moving with ease, with deliberate intention and purpose and doing the bare minimum truly feels like the life that belongs to me and like I belong in it. And getting there, like settling in that space, my hope is that it continue to move me down this path and journey of getting more clear on what I want to contribute to the world. I've been real focused on not being confused. Yeah, I know like you, I can't make sense of everything. And those are the things that I kind of recognize and release and let them go. And I also recognize like confusion don't work for me. So where can I find the clarity even amongst the chaos? And if I can get clear about what I want to contribute to the world, then I know, right, when I need to turn it up a little bit above the bare minimum and when I don't. Because that will be the only time. That would be the only time when I do more than the bare minimum is when I'm moving Clearly and purposely in the direction of what I want to contribute to the world. And so what I believe I'm attempting to share is how can we all, if it makes sense for you, if it settles somewhere in your body, really make this commitment of doing less, especially Black women, if anybody deserves to do some goddamn less, (laughs) huh? If anybody deserves to do some goddamn less, it's it's black women. And so where can we make a commitment to do less, to move with grace and ease in the direction of living a life that feels as if it belongs, that you belong in it and that you belong to it. And then really getting clear on like, what do you want to contribute to the world? Because you can't do it all. You don't have to do it all. You weren't created to do it all. And so what do you want to do, right? And I think the only way to get closer to an answer on like, what do you want to do? Is to slow down, do less, to move with ease and be as graceful and deliberate and intentional as possible. And um, I think, I don't think, I know that is all that I have. That's all that I have. And so we will be back next week, maybe, uh, with another episode. I think we've got a guest, if I'm not mistaken. But until then, um, I am going to do an, a crazy, not crazy, I don't like that word, a ridiculous amount. I am going to do a ridiculous amount of shit between now and when we talk again. And I will come back and report what i can and what i cannot i will keep to myself um until then y'all please remember to take care of your heart so that we can take care of each other because y'all already know what it is new year same shit we are literally all that we got we're all that we got and be well and we will talk soon